I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Ned Buskirk. He's a creative person that faced personal loss and wanted to have an open discussion about it. Meet the creator of You're Going to Die. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. So first of all, I I know you're on a different time zone and you've got family and stuff and, and you're working full time and you're doing this special project that is, is so dear to my heart, um, called, you know, you're going to die in San Francisco. Um, and I'm so happy to meet you over the phone, even though one day we will come face to face. Um, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm um, honored to be be on the show. Well, talk to us a little bit about your personal experience with loss and how this whole idea of you're going to die event evolved. The first thing that I share with people when they talk about where the show started or where my work in, in like death and dying comes from is, is from is, is, uh, you know, I tell them that it, you know, my mom died in 2003. So at the age of 26, uh, I lost her and, and that certainly brought me deeper into questions about mortality and loss and grief in, in ways that I'd never been. But I, I would also say that long before that, um, even at a young age, I, I think, and, and I think normally, I don't think it was like above average of me, but I just know that as a child, I think like a lot of children, I had a lot of questions about death and, um, and, I think like a lot of children, I didn't get those questions answered. Um, I don't think there was a lot of space made in my life to talk about it. And uh, I probably didn't know how to demand it. Um, so jump to 13 years old and my mother gets diagnosed with breast cancer. And so while my mom's death is certainly a huge part of the story for me, um, for you're going to die, it's really her life with cancer that, that has as much to do with it and maybe even a little more, um, you know, half my life, uh, up until her death was spent having her going through chemo and going through treatments, losing her hair, being weak, you know, back when, you know, uh, chemo really sometimes now you hear like it's, it's so much better. Well, you know, my mom was, a single mother raising two kids and uh, running a daycare center and, you know, also going through all the things that you go through when you have breast cancer. And so for those 13 years, there was this sickness in our lives, but there wasn't a lot of space again made for me to talk about. I just don't remember people having very, open conversations with me about what it could mean for her to be sick and um, that what comes with a cancer diagnosis, any stage of it and any kind of treatment is this very real fact that, you know, no matter what we're going to die and maybe it's because of this. And so you're going to die is really born from 
a long experience in my youth of wanting to talk about things and wanting to share my emotions and talk about death and fear around my mom's death and not being able to. And jump to 2012 when my mother-in-law dies and um you can see on the website i think we talked about this but on the website there's a video that was filmed at the show right after she died and it's when i really got i could even say almost coming into the space that night um that the show was for creating a place to talk about those things that I've not been able to talk about and to talk about my mom and to talk about my mother-in-law and to talk about the ways being mortal is hard and heartbreaking. And, and so you're going to die is born from that personal need. And of course, as it turns out, you know, you know, with the success of the last two, three, four years of you're going to die, that so many other people need that space too. Well, what I see is something that's happening in San Francisco um, and your what I love is that you are creating an event that is touching a crowd of individuals that might not be in the mainstream of, you know, Googling JAMA articles. These are this is an open mic night downtown San Francisco where you have music or someone reading poetry and then there's room for anyone to say anything and i i love that and i was just telling a friend earlier today that about you and about this event and she she wanted to meet you and i was like well me too i want to meet him face to face too but i have to do it before you because it's such a unique uh way to talk about loss mm. and this is the crazy thing is that we're all going to face it whether we're facing a serious illness or we're facing someone we love that has is sick or even a pet we all this loss is what makes life so fragile and beautiful um and how we deal with that is going to be very important how we continue to live for those left behind so talk to me a little bit about you know, why did you choose to call it you're going to die? Because that's really in your face. I mean, what's what how did that evolve the name? Well, um <laughs> it's funny, I mean, in the beginning of the show, it really was the start of the event series is just an open mic. I mean, I was doing my master's out of San Francisco State and I got involved with the Graduate Literature Association out there and they asked me to do a an open mic or an event to get uh the you know, allow the students to gather and share whatever they want to share, whether it's a poem or a story or a song. And uh, to, to create that space so that we can connect more with community outside of school. And uh, so that's like, that's really the origin story of this event series, like basically. But um, I think even before we got into this conversation, mortality and death and dying, it got named you're going to die, but it got named you're going to die mainly because I just wanted people to know that would come to these open mics like, Hey, you're going to die. Why are you not going to get up and share your poem? Or why are you not going to get up and share that song? Uh, I often would say to people, listen, I guess that in your room, it's really powerful to read, write, your poems and read your poems to yourself. But that window 
of possibility to share that with the world, we're not sure when it'll close. And so it was named you're going to die to encourage people like, listen, don't take yourself so seriously. Uh, someday the English language won't exist and, and definitely neither will you. And, and I mean that, you know, thousands and thousands of years down the road, tens of thousands of years, like whatever number you want to put on it, how are you possibly holding on to this thing that you created or this thing you want to express when you have this tiny, unbelievably wonderful opportunity, however, maybe meaningless it is sometimes, however finite, tiny we might feel sometimes to just share. And that's really what you're going to die came out of is more of a, you know, a demand for people to have perspective so that they could open up and make themselves vulnerable and share. And, you know, the very, you know, it's obvious that it would evolve from that into this creatively conscious mortality movement. It, it is creatively driven. It requires that engagement with the conversation. That's what I'm interested in. You know, I want to see the human get up and share a story they've never shared because they feel compelled to after seeing 10 other people get up before them and cry and bear their heartache and heartbreak and the things they've suffered that define them more than most things they've experienced in their life, but that they get to talk about less than most of the things they get to talk about in life. Oh, that's so I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, it like totally these makes things, sense. Like my mother's loss, it's like that, that loss is a huge part of what defines me, but it's, there's not a lot of places I found other than the grief group that I got involved in where I was able to talk about it. Mm. And you know, what's really crazy is the way you just said that, um, the way, you know, you put that out there, you're going to die. It really makes my life a little bit more urgent than it was a few minutes prior prior to you saying that, because yeah. you're right. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, it does have that. Yeah. It has yeah, this it like, I mean, what publish that book, write that story, go to that open mic and fail if that's what it takes to get it out of you. And that's what I love about this event. Now, right now it is just in San Francisco, correct? Yes. So if you are in San Francisco, which I tell people all the time, there's something magical happening in San Francisco when it comes to end of life and people trying to face uh, dealing with grief and loss in an innovative way. Um, tell us where we can find out if we're living in San Francisco uh, or visiting San Francisco, San Francisco and we want to participate in one of these events. Well, you know, I find the easiest way to tell people to look up what you're going to die is, is just by entering the Google term, uh, you're going to die. Um, because saying the website or describing the venue that it happens in, you know, might get lost, you know, after the conversation of your show that the listeners, what would stick with them, I think is the urgency of the title. You're going to die. And so I think it's just as simple as going to Google and enter. You're going to die. The first link I think that comes up is our website and the event calendar is on there. And there's two open mics a month, the first and third Thursday. Um, and it's held at the Lost Church, a beautifully wonderful, uh, intimate venue um, run by a nonprofit committed to sustaining smaller community venues for people to gather. 
Um, and then if there's any other shows, which there often are that are curated bigger, bigger shows, uh, at bigger venues, it's always on the website, but you can connect to, you're going to die through all the social media, um, outlets. And, uh, I use all of those to let people know about new shows coming up. I love that. So this is a monthly thing that happens in San Francisco. And I'm telling you, I've told Jessica Zeter this and Don Gross this and Shoshana and and Claudia this and all some friends that we have in common at that. You know, I don't know about leaving my heart in San Francisco, but I know I definitely want to die in San Francisco because the way that people are looking at death is totally different. And I'm hoping there's a ripple from San Francisco to the rest of the United States to figure out what is San Francisco doing that is so different and innovative. And it might just be providing space for people to be and think differently about end of life. But I hope that ripple goes to every city, every small town in the United States, um, and then even international. Um, what you guys are doing in San Francisco and the the crew of people that you have there, you being among them. And and then there's, you know, Tory Fields and people who have have just their passion is helping individuals have access and feel free to to really design their end of life exactly the way they want it and also giving room to talk about loss and grief in a whole different way. Now, are is one of your goals to take you're going to die to other cities? Can this be viral? Can we can we stream this one day? Yeah, I you know, I think this year there's a lot happening now that we got nonprofit status uh, last year um, around what you're going to die looks like in the world for other people, um, especially those that aren't living in the Bay Area. Um, You know, I have a pretty significant following online and a lot of most of those people have never been to a show. And I want to figure out ways to give them access to the experience that that really is at the heart of you're going to die. Um, right now we're working on a podcast, which will share uh, content from the shows, especially the curated shows. Oh, that's and awesome. um, I'll, I'll host that podcast with guests and do interviews and just kind of create a little, a little access point um, that we can put online. So people well, please can listen to maybe some of those better, the you know, better shows and best experiences. The open mic's a pretty private, kind of heartfelt, uh, vulnerable space. So there won't be a lot of content coming from those, but there's plenty of curated shows to pull from that's definitely worth sharing. And on top of that, I think likely in the next few years, uh, maybe sooner than I think, someone just emailed me today uh, from the East Coast about bringing a show out and wants to talk and. I think it's inevitable that it'll hit the road. And I think that looks like building the markets a little bit in some of these areas. Um, And I think the podcast would help with that. And I also think, um, you know, creating curated shows that are, are solid and clean and travelable um, shows that can go to um, other cities and maybe couple a night with uh, an open mic, um, in the early evening or an open mic the night before. Mm. And so essentially the experience in other cities would be a pairing um, so that you would know both about a big show with maybe a musician locally or storytellers and also some people, artists that travel with me and then create an opportunity so people can have like this 
the, the open mic experience too. So I, I think it's inevitable with the growth and the success that I've seen in the last couple of years, but I'm also, you know, I'm just trying to like remain true to it and mm-hmm. really focus on what it means to be a nonprofit now. And, um, but, but that matters to me. Um, it matters to me to see it, um, be available more. That's more the point. It might be that way. Um, and that's, that's kind of what we're exploring this year for sure. Well, I will say this. I, I haven't met you face to face and I haven't been to an event, but I've talked to you several times on the phone and your passion is something that just illuminates um, and comes alive in your energy through even the phone call. And I can't, I, I tell you, I, I feel this. You're such a wonderful human being doing this just for pure passion and because you needed space to fill your own loss. And I cannot wait for this podcast. Please let us know here at Death by Design um, when that airs. We will plug you every time you air um, because there there needs to be more podcasts out there talking about mm. loss and grief and end of life. And I... I want to be a big supporter of that. So all you have to do is, yeah, let me know. And and I tell you, my audience, there's such a collective group from artists to people working in healthcare, but I want to hold wherever I am and wherever I'm calling home right now, it's in Wilmington, North Carolina, but I want to bring this event to wherever I'm, I'm going to call home into the future. Um, right now we're getting ready to do a book tour and, and go on the road for a couple of years, but whatever I can do to support you and your mission, that's what I want to do because this is a unique opportunity for creatives, uh, but also just open mic to give this, I guess grief um, to make it relevant and put it into a form that that individuals are interpreting, um, whether it's a poem or just standing up there and talking about it or music, and it's just such a creative environment um, that I've not seen when it comes to end of life um, and people sharing their stories. So I applaud you for that. And whatever I can do to help you spread this, just let me know. And if you're on the East Coast. Um, I will find my way toward you. So wherever you are, let me know. And we, we will make it, I will make an effort to be there. Um, awesome. yeah. So talk to me about what it's like to be at this event. I know you host it. I've seen some YouTube, um, little clippets, but, but what is the atmosphere and, and the environment like at one of these open mic nights in San Francisco? Yeah. Well, I have, I have, a, I have a, a show tonight, um, and it's been about a month and a half since, since we've done one. I did a more curated show in mid-December, so it's nice to get back to that. And, and what is special about the open mic to me is that it's the heart of all this. Um, you know, I, I am so humbled and um, grateful for your acknowledgement um, of what I do and what this is. Um, but even the even the even the alignment or inclusion in what's happening in San Francisco uh, around end of life and death and dying, um, it's so strange to think I'm a part of something big and um, or bigger. And I mean that to to help answer your question. You know, when I go to to the event tonight, which I'm really looking forward to there's a place for me there to be 
the little mortal that I am. And when I get up on that stage um, to introduce the show, that's all that's happening is this little little man um, who really has had a lot of years of, of performance and being on stage, but also coupled with that, a lot of years of, of heartbreak and loss. And the guy that ends up being there is, I think, uh, uh, an offering, a sort of access point for others to get that they, A, don't need to be some wonderful artist to get up on stage. Um, in fact, all they need to be is open. And that's essentially what the night is. I think it's an opening, you know, and it starts with me getting up and sharing from my heart, uh, maybe the things that I'm going through or the books that I'm reading or the work that I'm doing, um, stories and, and maybe knowledge from hospice, volunteering, whatever it is. And, and sometimes, well, sorry, every time I get, pretty emotional, uh, sharing in that context. And, and I always cry. Um, and I, and I, I mentioned that as a, an important element of the show, I think to see me get up on stage and bear my soul and my heartbreak that way helps people open. And on top of that, uh, you know, with all the years of performance, I, I, you know, I really like to make people laugh. And I've found over the years that the best way, uh, the best way to make people laugh is, is through that relationship between a uh, total grief and heartbreak and sadness and bouncing off of that to, uh, lightness and joy and humor. And the show works like that. It is, uh, opening more and more back and forth between, between sharing our sadness and moving to the joy and connectedness and laughter that can come from those openings and back again when someone else gets up to open their selves to the audience. And it just does that throughout the night. I know this opening over and over and people opening doors again and again and again until by the end of the night, there's no way if you've stayed the whole time that, at least you don't feel more alive and connected than when you first arrived. And it does not always depend on creatives. It does not depend on a musician. It does not depend on a writer. In fact, the person that it depends on is the person that is willing to get up and be vulnerable and share that thing that hurts the most to share that, broke their heart the most that is their greatest fear that makes them more anxious than anything. The people that get up and like really make the night and I can see it in singular moments in an evening, I can say that's when it started. And it all, there's always a moment where someone gets up and it starts with someone that's like, really like, here we go. Like I'm really going there. And often it's not someone that gets up and knows a song so well that they play it perfectly because they've been playing open mics for 10, 15 years. I would wager that the best musician in the world who came in and just played a really wonderful song couldn't compete with a person that gets up and says, I've never got on stage before. And I want to tell you about how I think about committing suicide all the time. 
or the person that gets up on stage and says, my mom died last week. And what opens from them saying that. Um, so it's funny, you know, I tell people it's an open mic, but I really only tell people that to say like, Hey, you could come and do something, but it's not really an open mic. It's an opening. That's what it is. It's an opening and it takes this community that gathers that often have gone through really traumatic loss and traumatic experiences, but their willingness to share it with everyone brings everyone closer. And like just today, I was reading from this book that I highly recommend called Healing Through the Dark Emotions. Uh, it's by Miriam Greenspan. And this quote that she has in it by Judith Herman um, from her book, Trauma and Recovery, says, traumatic events, just, and this is like, I read this and I was like, yes, like this is it. And I, uh, this is the center of you're going to die. Like this is what happens tonight. And it says, traumatic events destroy the sustaining bonds between the individual and community. Those who have survived learn that their sense of self, of worth, of humanity depends upon a feeling of connection to others. And the solidarity of a group provides the strongest protection against terror and despair and the strongest antidote to dramatic experience. It's like those things that we went through that made us feel most alone if we can get through to the part of life where we can share those with others and see how we're more connected because of what happened and that we open it to others, that's like what happens at these shows, I think. I, that's what like oh, the night wow. is like. <laughs> I wish I was in San Francisco tonight. Um, Me too. I, I really do. This is, this is the thing. Um, we adults or we humans try to avoid all our life and that's being vulnerable. But mm. I'm telling you, when you can be vulnerable and be raw and authentic, that's when true connection happens. And I truly believe the one main reason we are in this world is to connect with one another, with sometimes you're the teacher and sometimes you're the student but connection takes communication and communication takes connection. And I, I love, I love that you're leading the way I feel not having been at an event, but being, seeing you in, in your vulnerable state and being able to share your, your emotion and tears on stage. I think it gives people permission that it's okay and I think that takes a very, very brave person to start something off by saying, look, this is who I am. And that's rare. And I, and I applaud you because you are creating a movement of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that, to me, creates the most connection we humans can be. And, and, and it does create humor too, because when you, when you talk about the most stupidest things you've done and like, that was insane and you share them and people can chuckle and you're mm -hmm. like, well, and then they start talking about, well, this happened to me too. And then there's this common space that, okay, I'm not as weird as I think I am. I'm like yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It, and it is that you, you really actually hit, on something that I think is especially wonderful about uh, sort of that dynamic, you know, of existing, that these things we go through are the most insane, dramatic, definitive moments of our life. 
and we put so much in them so seriously. You know, I mean, like I can't always, uh, I can't be lied about my mom's death, you know, um, you know, very, uh, but something in balancing that loss and that like the, the tremendous tragicness of it by also getting that we need to be silly and life is ridiculous. Like what's going on? Like how, how, how do I have a mom? What's a, a mom and like being a, in the middle of the universe? Like, what is that? Like, what's a, what's a parking meter? Like, what are, you know, what are Skittles? Like, what are we doing around? Like, what are you and I, what are we, you and me? Like, what are we, I've got a cord. There's things in my ears. Right. We're like talking into machines and I can hear you. Like, what is this thing? You know, it's like, right. it's ridiculous. And I think what's wild about being mortal and kind of opening up to like that tender, fragile, precious vulnerability is that other side of existence. It's like, this is crazy. What's going on? And wow, what a funny, ridiculous thing. And how silly I feel, you know? Right. And a moment ago, I was weeping, you know, at the loss of my mother. And it doesn't diminish that loss. No. But it, it, in contrast, it's, it almost makes it more powerful. And it certainly, like you said, it certainly connects. It's definitely like part of how an evening works. You know, it's that back and forth between like the ridiculousness and the silliness and the humor and the, you know, life defining, you know, dramatic uh, events um, that, we've held on to and then broken our hearts and we've kept like closer to us than anything because, because they were so like transformative, you know, changed us in ways that nothing could. Um, but then on the other side, it's like, Oh, you know, I'm here. Like, this is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish that never happened to me, but it was like the best worst thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it isn't it that? I mean, what do you say to that? The best worst thing that's ever happened to me, um, you know, when you lose someone, um, and it hurts like hell, you would never trade one moment to a, of that relationship to erase the pain. But it is. It's like this this sort of. I don't know. You feel sort of honored that you were in this presence, that your mom was your mom or the guy that you dated that died of cancer, that you had these intimate moments and you cherish that and you hope mm. to hell that the legacy does not end with them, but you carry a little bit with you and share your grief and then they live on forever. Um, and that's, that's so beautiful. And one of the things you, you said um, that I want to be bring back is that you are nonprofit. And I know this you know, you're going to die is just in San Francisco, but I do believe it is going to be everywhere. So if you are interested in donating to the cause of you're going to die in San Francisco and in hopes that one day this can be in your own community, how can people support you through financial donations? Well, you know, there's a donation link on the website, um, which I think is obviously a wonderful way for people to donate. Um, but there's a lot of other ways to kind of connect up, you know, and actually get something for yourself. I committed over the years, of course, when I'm really creating space for so long to get other people to be creative. I've 
made sure that I was doing the same. You know, there's a lot of shows I go to that I don't just MC. I maybe sing horribly a Katy Perry song. Um, you know, like that happens. So I, I just, I insist on making sure I'm getting my own creative outlets and I'm lucky enough to have this, this, these shows. Um, so I can do that in performance, but I also have this online movement that I really committed to creating original content for. So yeah, people can donate, uh, through the website at yg2d.com, but there's also an Etsy page where you can get little tiny mortal reminders that I've created, um, oh, cool. to, to give a, so people can give a little to you're going to die, but also get, um, something in return. Um, and all that stuff's through the website, but, uh, I appreciate you even mentioning it and bringing it up, um, Kimberly. Uh, thanks for uh, creating a moment where um, the nonprofit can really, like, it's new, you know? And um, I need uh, people like you to remind me sometimes, like, this thing is my heart's work. You know, I love it. And it's now it's a nonprofit. Like, what's next? And, and how can people, like, help it, like you said, be more? Um, it's a really new part of the conversation for me. So thanks for making time. Absolutely. I will say uh, one day we are going to meet face to face. You are an exceptional human being. And I just am so grateful you are in this world and that you are spreading this in San Francisco. And I believe wholeheartedly that this will be in every big city and hopefully every small town coming soon over the next few years. And, and please, please, Ned is so approachable. Email him, tell him you want to do this in your community and figure it out. Um, it takes one person and just look at what you're doing that one person with a desire to talk about grief and look at what it's done. So one person can change the world. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And I believe that you are changing the world with just your passion and your openness to be vulnerable. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate knowing you, um, how much I appreciate you creating this um, for individuals in your community. And I hope one day um, I will be able to attend an event and feel the awesomeness of what is in that room. Mm-hmm. All the feelings are mutual. Thank you, Kimberly. I know that we will be face-to-face, and I know I'll get to share the show with you at some point. Um, But thank you so much for all of that, all you said. Well, I tell you, um, you are, I I just can't say enough about you, and I just appreciate that you are in my world. And I wish you good luck with the show tonight. And um, go be awesome, man. You're you're so good at it. I will. I can't wait. Um, Thanks, Kimberly. Thanks for joining us today, and remember, you're the designer.